Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Well, hey, everybody. It is so good to be here to, man, I thought like the roof was going to lift off in the room just a minute ago. Just, uh, you know, it is Pentecost Sunday, and, uh, you know, the place where they were meeting was was filled, and then they were filled. So just a little bit of place theology there for us. I, I do have an announcement to make. Um, we, uh, we became grandparents again last night at 6 o'clock. And... Uh, We've got a, I think we've got a picture there. That's Matthew and uh, Scarlett Renee Miller. So that, that happened. You know, I was looking at that picture, Aaron, we had our family thread going all, uh, just, it was a little distracting this morning, all the family stuff that's just flying around. And uh, Aaron Wardlaw had said, you know, did y'all get any sleep? And Matthew said, you know, we didn't, we, we just can't stop looking at her. You know, and it just hit me, I was looking at that picture, you know, and it just hit me about the Father's love, man, you know, and on Pentecost Sunday, it's the birth of the church, and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you guys, that's what he's saying, we, we just can't stop looking at her, you know, I feel like that's a word for us, he, he loves us, you know, and if I'm a broken record, and if, if, I, if I'm going to be out of balance theologically, it's going to be on pointing you to Jesus Christ and talking about the love of God. Sorry. <laughs> Don't be. Thank you. Thanks for some encouragement. You know, I, was, uh, I got a call from this mighty man of God right here. Uh, he is a mighty man of God. We have an awesome executive pastor. And... Uh, I got, a, I got a call from him yesterday morning about 8.15, and he, he said, well, you know, <laughs> this, is our, this is what we do. You know, it's like, it, I, Michael wears many hats, construction general manager guy, um, meteorologist. Um, that's one of the big ones in the, in the day of parking lot services where that's the norm. You know, and we're talking about it all week long. Everybody's praying no rain. And, you know, Micah, he goes, well, he's at 8.15 yesterday, well. And uh, I said, man, I just, it's a bummer. You know, we're inside. Worship's awesome, but there's people that can't come because, you know, it's just, there's, there's limited numbers and stuff. He said, well, what are, you, what are you doing? I said, well, my last sentence I wrote here was, somehow the glory of God is seen through the Son of Man on the cross he goes, wow, that's, that's really deep. I said, I said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm watching Tangled. <laughs> For real. 8.15 in the morning watching Tangled. And I said, dude, we are at totally different seasons of life. <laughs> yes, he does. Okay. Let everybody, everybody in on the secret. He does have kids. Okay, I'm losing it. People are saying, were they there? <laughs> Sorry, just sharing the joy, man. Oh, that's so good. So Mark 8, um, we're going to 
just, we're going to, um, by God's grace, go through this, this, this chapter. Um, and, and, and a lot of you, you don't know, uh, if you've never met Jim Reynolds, Dr. Jim Reynolds, he, we're doing podcasts. His podcast is running right along with, with us and what we're preaching. And he's Jim Wave. He's right back there. And so that's Jim. Dear friend and brother and has mentored so many people, even in this room and sharing the stage today. And so it's really, really awesome. Thankful for you and Donna. Hi, Donna. I was to the camera. Um, well, you know what happened? Today is Pentecost, and I just thought, man, let's weave these two things together, Mark 8 and Pentecost, and put it in the framework of Pentecost, because on this day, about 1991 years ago, the Holy Spirit fell, wow. and it, it changed everything. It changed the church was birthed, Peter preaches, 3,000 people baptized on that day. It was a powerful moment. And Pentecost is for us believers a reminder that that when we face impossible things, God is the God of the possible. And when we can't hear, he opens up deaf ears. And when we can't see, he heals blind eyes. And the dead are raised. And all of this is because of God's life in us in Jesus Christ. And Pentecost is also a reminder that sometimes we have to wait. You know, Pentecost happened after a lot of waiting. You know, so I just thought, man, that is a good word for me and for us. And we wait sometimes in order for God to fulfill his plans or his word to us. And as I was reflecting on that yesterday, it just hit me that God gave me this word, Nathan, in 1996, 25 years ago. And who would have thought it was just a word that the Lord gave me. And it was for me at the time, given to God, given for others. But that word continues to expand in us. It's one word. It's one night. And yet it's the word of God. And it doesn't return void. It actually is birthing things in us that we would be a people that are given to God and given for others in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just, it's just absolutely amazing. And I started saying, how much fruit has already come from that one word? And how much more fruit will still come from one word? And yet he's speaking to all of us and he's birthing things in all of us. And that's what he does in and through Pentecost power of the Holy Spirit. And so today we come, we're following along again in chapter eight of Mark, disciples and the cross. We can't go in our power. We can't do this in our power. In fact, when I opened up Mark eight and just looked at it, it just, it, it's on one page in my Bible. Just, it's all there. There's Mark 8, Mark 9. And so it's just, boom, there it is. And I just saw the way of the cross. And I was like, this whole thing is about discipleship. It's just disciples on the way of the cross. That just, boom, it just laid out right there. And so we're just going to walk through that today. And you can't separate all the stuff that we've been talking about in this series. Uh, it's not like individual a la carte items. You, you, you get it all. It's a, it's a package deal. Kingdom of God, Son of Man, discipleship, the cross, it, it all, that makes sense? Yeah. It all goes together. You don't get to pick and choose. It's, it's an it's a all-in deal. And so here's the main thing. Jesus is calling us to grow as disciples by following him in the way of the cross and in the Holy Spirit power of Pentecost. Amen. 
We need that last part because we can't, you get overwhelmed by the stuff you're about to read, right? You just, oh, I can't do this. But I want to say this too. There's no way, you can't read the gospels and not think that this is, and think this is about, oh, I just need to believe some stuff. No, follow me. Follow me. He's always saying, follow me. It's about doing this, embodying this kingdom. So Jesus is now heading for Jerusalem, 145 miles of kind of from the top of Israel, kind of down to Jerusalem. And then when he gets down closer, it's an uphill climb up the mountains to Jerusalem, up to Mount Moriah, all the way up. And, And it's just so important for us to get a hold of this thing about reading the Gospels, reading the whole thing so that we don't just, we're not caught off guard by God saying, I really want you to follow me. I really want you to give me your whole life and not just kind of get ourselves off the hook. We believe some things and that, then we can, everything else is optional. Like he's done it all, but he wants it all. He wants our whole lives. And so Peter's telling this story to Mark, who's then writing it down, but it's, there's embarrassing parts of this. There's parts where Peter's failing and not making it. And then the cross happens and then the resurrection happens and he's reinstated. So you get all of the bumps and the bruises and the warts and the, the, the mess of it all. And I think it's a word for us right now, even that it worked out for Pentecost Sunday to have this message on discipleship for us. I think that's important and powerful because it's for anybody who's weary, burdened, You've made some wrong choices. You've messed up. You've participated with the accuser or Satan. Just all of that stuff. And we need to live more clearly defined lives as disciples than this word is for us. So let's look at it. I'm just going to move through these these, uh, just observations here. I've got four, uh, excuse me, a few markers. Actually, I have seven. Interesting how it works out that way. Uh, So the first first marker is offering ourselves. Mark 8, verse 1, offering ourselves. During those days, another large crowd gathered, and since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can we get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. And after he'd sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. Okay, so the, the point here on this first thing is there's an offering that's happening, you know, and the Lord wants us to take what we have and to offer it to him. Yeah. To be, there's lots of biblical words for that. It's consecration. It's, yeah. it's, that's how we're to live our lives as disciples. We we take what we have and we offer. It could be our time, our money, our lives, our thinking, our hearts. We take what we have and we offer it to him. And then there's a process that happens when we do that. What he takes, he gives thanks for 
and he breaks. What he takes, he breaks, and what he breaks, he blesses so that it can be distributed to everyone who has need. And that's who we are in the church. We're people that offer ourselves, and what he takes, he breaks. What he breaks, he blesses, and it's distributed. And it says, and all the people ate and were satisfied. Now, James reminded me last year uh, that he, on this Pentecost Sunday, I think it was, he preached this passage, and the title of his message was, All the People Ate and Were Satisfied. You know, that's, that's what we're going for here. We want to be people that offer ourselves to the Lord and allow ourselves, not broken, not working, but broken, open, broken, open, so that the life of the Lord gets out, not just the stiff porcelain, you know, exterior, you know, us, and all you get is this shiny veneer, but what happens in the broken places is the life of the Lord literally shines out right there, right where you've gone through the hard stuff, right where you've had to wait and whatever the hard thing was, that's where you get a taste of, oh, that's the Lord's life. That's the life of the Lord. That's what I want to touch, and that's what we want in each other. And in our flesh, we say, but if I offer myself, there won't be enough. If I really lay myself out there, there won't be enough. And that's where this cool promise is at the end. When, they, when it was all said and done, there were seven basketfuls left over, seven baskets filled up, left over. The point there is, as we lay our lives down, as we offer ourselves to the Lord, there's going to be enough as we're filled up by the Lord again. And I need to hear that. And it's, that's part of the stretching part of ministry. We're talking to each other right now is, is when you've laid it down or you've laid it out and it's been, you've been hurt or you've been wounded You've gone through hard things. Is there going to be enough if I re-up again to lay my heart out there? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And yet, and yet there's, there's a promise there that there's enough. The basketfuls will be there. The Lord's provision will be there. And so we continue on. We persevere. We endure. Second thing is marker of the cross. Disciples in the cross is guarding the dough. Guard the dough. Can we just say that together? Guard the dough. So here we go. Don't you know? Ho, ho, ho. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. You got to keep going. Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He, he's just done a sign. He's literally just done a sign. He breathed. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. He's just done a sign. Then he left them and got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And so let me pause there and talk about guarding the dough for a second. So guarding the dough, think about it. The Pharisees, he's just done this miracle, and the Pharisees are right there in their midst. They're like, it, they didn't like come in, they're right there. The Pharisees are there, and they're, now they're asking for a miracle. So it's kind, of a, it's, it's kind of a passive resistant, right in the middle of what's going on, the Pharisees are there. And so there is a spirit 
that the Lord wants us to be aware of, to guard the dough, because if that stuff gets in, it affects the whole batch of bread that we are called to be as, as a people. So guard the dough against the, the, the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. So that's kind of religion and of of the political powers. And we're talking what's what we're talking about is the powers. The powers, the principalities, the authorities. So specifically with the Pharisees, they are anti-Christ. They are against Christ. That makes sense? So all those I know there's theologies out there about looking for one anti-Christ person, but that's not the way the New Testament presents the 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 spirit of Antichrist. And I'm just going to give you some verses just so you can, we can get this and help us guard the dough. 1 John 2.18, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. 1 John 2.22, who's the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. Denying the Father and the Son. I know this part's kind of heavy. Just hang in there. 1 John 4, 3, But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. 2 John, 2, 7, uh, 2 John 7, just one chapter. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Such a person is the deceiver and the antichrist. So the point there is we want to be all about lifting up Jesus, who he is, God in the flesh. And we want to be on guard against that yeast that would detract from him. That's against someone that would be against the life, the freedom, the forgiveness, all the things we talk about, the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. He is the center of the center for us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I, I, I'm, I, there's so much you guys know that's inside, but I'm, I, just for the sake of time, I'm going to keep pressing on. But this is really important. Be careful. Watch out for this. The powers are behind that spirit. The powers are behind that spirit. It could be religion, and it could be politics. And either one misses Jesus and blends into the dough of who we are. It's not good. So the theological term for this, this blending is syncretism. Syncretism, that's where you take one uh, like theology and kind of mix it with culture or different philosophies and kind of put it all together. And so... A good example with politics, and it just, it's going to be okay. This next little part, it's going to be quiet for a little bit, and it just helps me to say it too. But like, so when, when Rome was led by the emperor Constantine, he had a vision, like in 318, he had a vision, and uh, he saw his Roman armies winning under the sign of uh, the, it was a, a sign of Christ, basically. And so sure enough, they went out and they won that battle. And so following that, Constantine then declared the entire Roman Empire to be Christian. Now, think about that. That could be a little bit of an overlap there of the political system with, with the pure faith that is ours in Jesus Christ. That makes sense? And so that's why, you know, 
Year after year, I encourage, this is not new. If you're new around here to hear me talk about this, you're like, whoa, but it's not new here. But I know we've got new people, and so this will sound new. But, you know, in the United States of America, we have to be on guard against syncretism, against the blending of our faith and a nationalistic fervor that can then co-opt Jesus for the priorities of the powers. Does that make sense? So we, we have to be on guard. So like July 4th, inevitably, I'll have these emails come through and stuff, with little videos of like the crosses of Calvary with the American flag blowing in the background. That is, that's syncretism. That's blending nationalism and our faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for the sins of the world. But, but then this is capturing that. Or uh, the Calvary's crosses, and then the military jets come, and they go... That's, that's syncretism. Everybody okay? I mean, right on cue, I'm thinking about this stuff on Thursday, and I get a a text message from someone, I'm not going to say who, he's in the room, um, and he, he sent me an ad for a new Bible that's coming out on 9-11 to commemorate the 20th uh, anniversary of the towers being uh, you know, bombed or uh, the hijackers and all that. And uh, the Bible is called the Ultimate American Bible. And it's the Bible and the founding documents of America together now in one very unique Bible. And I was like, whoa, I was trying to be funny. I mean, it helps maybe to be funny, like, because we could have like the, the ultimate baseball Bible. <laughs> you know, where you take the Bible and the founding documents of Major League Baseball and you have them together in one very unique Bible. <laughs> and it helps us to smile a little bit because that's just so doggone sad. You know, taking primary symbols of what we believe and blending them in that way is something actually to be on guard against. I've said enough, but that's the yeast of the Pharisees and, the, and, the, and of Herod. Okay, so another marker there. Another marker is seeing the kingdom. Seeing the kingdom. So they discussed this with one another. It's because we have no bread. And aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but don't see, ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home saying, 
Don't even go into the village. So the, the piece here, the marker for us is seeing the kingdom. And it's something that we do again and again and again. And it's illustrated here. Jesus really wants our hearts tender. If our hearts are hard, we miss out on the kingdom stuff. He wants us seeing the kingdom and pressing in and being lifelong disciples. And the, the blind guy is illustrative of our own journey that we, we see, we start to see a little bit, but it's not all the way clear. And then he helps us again and we see more clearly. But that's like that's a uh, that's a paradigm, you know, of how God wants us to have our eyes opened in Him. So even in here's a little theological nerdy thing. If anybody, anybody wants this, is there, Mark uses these literary devices called a Markin sandwich, where he takes these ideas like or the healing of a blind man here in chapter chapter eight, and then blind Bartimaeus is healed in chapter 10, at the end of chapter 10, and what's in between there is all kinds of stuff that God really wants us to get and to understand, like, hey, you need to get this, confessing Christ. You need to get this. I'm, I'm predicting my death. Three times he's going to do that in this, in this little bit. James and John are going to argue about who's the greatest, and he wants us to get all of that stuff. It's being emphasized by blind guys that are blind but are receiving their sight. Does that make sense? Yeah. So seeing the kingdom is just, just absolutely huge. I feel like I almost had too much coffee. I know I, I, I did good. It's just... Okay, the next one, seeing the kingdom. So the next marker is confessing the Messiah. Confessing the Messiah. Peter goes on. Verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And again, it's all heating up. His death is imminent right now. It's all just it's all happening. And so, so this confession, we talk about this stuff a lot, but this confession is the revelation upon which the church is built. It's from heaven. It's not a, it's not a you didn't get it from man thing. It's, it's you got it from heaven. So that revelation, you are the Messiah, is how we move forward as God's people. It's a marker of disciples in the cross is that we are confessing Jesus, confessing Jesus, confessing Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the Anointed One. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. We are confessing Christ. That's a mark of us on the way to the cross, even, <laughs> disciples. And then the next piece is choosing God's concerns. Another marker is choosing God's concerns. The next verse, 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And so the point here for us is a marker for us is to choose God's concerns. We are always going to be tempted to be co-opted 
into human concerns and what we think, what we think Jesus needs to be, be looking like. And instead of us conforming our lives to him, we want to conform his image to us. That, that just, that, that's always, that's always a temptation for us. And it's hard because we want to, we want to win. We, we, we don't necessarily want the cross. You know, uh, the way Jim, we were doing a sermon planning the other day, and he said, it's like the coach going into the locker room before the big football game and saying, all right, guys, we're going to give them 12 touchdowns, and then somehow we're going to win. But that's pretty discouraging. It's discouraging for us to think about going the way of the cross. It's so upside down, inside out. It's not the way we think. It's not external. It's an internal life change, mind change, soul change, life change. Yeah. And then, so then the, ne- the next two pieces then, these next two markers are right in this last paragraph, denying ourselves and following Jesus Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone's ashamed of me and my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So here's the thing. We are called to this life of consecration, and it's a life that we participate in all because of Jesus. He, he's done it. What he's done on behalf of humanity is unite us in death and in life to him. And our calling now is to participate in this life in the power of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost power. We deny ourselves and we follow Jesus. But that's actually what we're trying, we're, we're thinking that way. In the power of the Spirit, I can't do this, but I can live this way with you, Jesus, in the power of your Spirit on Pentecost. And that is good news. It's good news that even though it's overwhelming for us to think, I, you know, I, it, and it's hard. It's, it's a hard calling, you know, to deny yourself and take up your cross. And yet it's the best. It's the best. It's just this, this wild kingdom ride journey. And Jesus wants, I mean, it's, that's, that's rigorous. Don't be ashamed of him. But it's an incredible promise that he's not going to be ashamed of us. So let's stand up. Okay, you know, I, uh, I just want to say what God is doing right now in our midst is stirring stuff up. And you can tell it's coming. It's bubbling. It's coming to the surface all over the place. We had 100 people in here on Nation's Prayer, just praying, going for it, worship, people on their faces, knees, crying out to God, presence of God, kaboom! You know, and whenever God starts getting his people praying and worshiping, watch out. Well, just get ready. And that's where we're at right now. He is filling us up again, afresh, anew. Minds getting changed. Hearts getting hungry to be together and to worship the Lord together. 
So let's just respond to the Lord here for a minute. Asher, come on up. Yeah, Father, just meet us here in this moment. On Pentecost Sunday, Lord, with a calling to be disciples that are on the way of the cross, would you fill us with the power, with the Holy Spirit power of Pentecost? Just all around the room. Lord, even just this morning, it was fresh to me, just seeing that you filled the place and then you filled the people. Just that there's a, a sacredness, even in space, Lord. So come and have your way in us. Meet us here in this moment. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. encourage you to just breathe in. Acknowledge the presence of God in this moment. Love you, Lord. If you came with somebody, if you've got a friend close by, just want to take a moment here to just put a hand gently on it, appropriately on a shoulder and just say, receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit's power in your life. Just speak it over each other. Receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit's power in your life. Yes, oh God. Yes, God. Around the room. In the church. Receive the power to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. Receive the power now. Receive the power to go the way of the cross, to follow Jesus no matter what. Yes, Lord. Receive new hunger for the things of God in the name of Jesus. Receive new passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. Lord, for the days ahead, We're asking for our brothers and sisters right now, receive new passion, new power, new life, new hunger, new desire for all that you're wanting to do in and through your church here and in the city and in the region and in the state and in the nation and in the nations, this worldwide family, all different cultures around the world. No other group like it on planet earth. Every nation, tribe, language, tongue. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing on this Pentecost Sunday, 2021. We love you. We bless you. In the name of Jesus, amen. May you go out of here walking in Pentecost power for the kingdom and for the king in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all. Amen.